Welcome to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where pastor and author Matt Brown debriefs your questions about Christianity and current issues shaping our culture. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, Pastor Matt, how you doing? I'm doing so good, man. It's good to be back with you. So great to be back. Yeah, Wonderful. I, I haven't seen you since the 200th episode. That was a great episode. Yeah, that was, was a fun. Lot of fun. Lots of fun. Well, we have an exciting show. I'm so excited. Thank you all for uh, sending in questions because we have a new series called She, Her. Yes. How are you feeling about that? Good, man. Uh, the trolls are out. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I read some <clears> of the <throat> comments and I'm like... Is that even English? What is? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I've had to. I've had to officially not. I'm going to take a break from social media because people are just awful. And here's mm. the thing: is I would say the vast majority of negative comments are not people that go to our church. They yeah. they don't intend on listening. They right. don't care to hear what we have to say. They're jumping to conclusions. They have their own narrative. Uh, they're making their own comments. I was cracking up because Pastor Aurelio was just inviting people. Hey, I'll sit with you. What service are you going to attend? And, mm -hmm. you know, it's crickets, 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 mm -hmm. crickets. And people are not interested in dialogue and discussion. And, um, you know, there, there's a movement um, mostly on the left politically, but, but occasionally on the right to silence people. And I love what uh, Robert Kennedy's son came out and said this week. And I don't know if you guys heard that, but he said, historically speaking, those who silence the truth, those who silence free speech have never been the good guys. Hmm. And we just need to be careful uh, as Christians. We need to be open to dialogue. And so ultimately, even if you disagree with what I teach and what I say, you, you need to listen and hear because if you shut off, you know, free speech, free dialogue, the world is going to be a very, very ugly place. Yeah. And I think that's a really scary place where we are mostly on the left, but I experience it in this church from conservatives mm -hmm. who want to shut down and are afraid and fill in the gaps. And, um, you know, in counseling, they call it, um, mind reading mm -hmm. and catastrophizing. So I think I know what you're going to say. And then I connect all of these docs dots to this catastrophic conclusion in my own mind. Mm -hmm. And then I hold you accountable for right. the conclusion I've come to. And mm -hmm. it's like, look, you know, that's not the way to go. Sit down, listen, you know, ask yourself, did, did, did I mishear? Uh, did Pastor Matt misspeak? Because that happens. And it just amazes me. People are willing to throw out 26 years of faithful conservative ministry to the Bible, throw it out the window because of a comment. And it's just mm -hmm. like, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, and how do we live in a world where that's true? Yeah. And so... Um, and I think social media makes us, uh, yeah. because of the political divide, makes us just move into our own camp. Right. Yeah. And I can't hear what you have to say yes. because I don't agree with how you said it. Yeah. Or I think, like you said, I think I know what you're going to say and I have to reject that fully. And, um, it's really sad. I remember mm. I had a lady comment on something that I said, and she made a whole assumption about me. And I'm like, you don't even, yeah. I mean, I mean, hello, I've never even, I, you don't know who I am at all. Yeah. And, um, but people think they do based on yeah. a comment or mm -hmm. based on even your profile or however you look. And so, yeah, yeah, I've been reading some of the comments and I'm like, well, that's different. Yeah. Well, <laughs> feel free. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going for it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I haven't been because people are different. Okay. So we've got some great questions. Yes. Um, Celine from Riverside. Okay. This is good. She says, I have a 15 year old son who attends public school. 
He has made me aware that this whole week they are celebrating gay and transgender pride by posting flags all around the school and posting posters of love is love. The parents were never notified of this event and it's not listed on the school calendar. I called Mm. the school to speak with the principal about why parents were not notified. And the principal said, we support our students from our LGBTQ community who decided and planned to do this event. I do not know what I as a parent should do. This does not align with my beliefs. Um, And I worry about what my son is being exposed to at school. Is this something I need to write a formal complaint about to the district or is this beyond fighting and we need to learn to accept that our children are being exposed to this at schools now too? I appreciate your insight on this topic. Yes, Celine. So thank you so much. And um, I just just want you to know I'm praying for you and I'm Mm -hmm. praying for your son. And so I think everybody listening, you know, the schools are are making a choice and they are choosing to reject Judeo-Christian values and they are choosing to embrace, and I'm going to use these words, this woke LGBTQ agenda kind of as the gospel. That's their gospel. It is now a religion. And I think that's really where the conflict lies is our children are being exposed to this, um, you know, environmental catastrophist, um, you know, sexual, do whatever you want religion, Mm Um, you know, it's so interesting. So as Christians, right, we believe in judgment day, uh, these, um, environmentalists have this judgment day, right? So their judgment day is mother earth judging us and destroying us. Our judgment day is, you know, Jesus returns and judges all mankind. And, you know, they have their own list of righteousness, you know, reduce your, uh, carbon footprint Mm -hmm. and, and then do whatever you want sexually and be whatever you want, (laughs) which is really the opposites of what we want. You know, we want to find our identity in God. And we want to behave sexually in a way that God approves. And it it couldn't be more different. And so what I would say is, um, you know, we have to get better at language. We're not opposed to love. The Bible is not opposed to love. The Bible does have a lot to say with what we do with our penises and vaginas. Mm -hmm. That is not love. Um, I don't even like in Christian circles when we say, I want to make love. Mm -hmm. That's not what you're doing when you're having sex. Mm -hmm. Love is not made. Um, you can have sex. Love is something that occurs all throughout the day in almost every aspect. And then there's sex. Right. Now, sex is something that occurs within the context, biblically and Christian, uh, according to our Christian values, in the context between a man and a woman for life, um, because sex is something that should be done in that context. But it's not love making. We're having sex, and we need to be able to say that. And And I'm not saying it shouldn't be romantic. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be an emotional connection. I'm not saying it can't be an expression of right. love. But the words make love is, is really problematic for us, and oftentimes, uh, liberal progressives use language. They're much better at 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 it, at it than we are, um, and they and they use these statements that are so hard to refute. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, like the Black Lives Matter movement, I had somebody who said, "Well, you support the BLM." I said, "No, I support Black Lives. Right. I do not support the Black Lives Matter movement uh, because it's a Marxist." Uh, anti-family, Antichrist. Uh, yeah, anti-Christian uh, organization, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I support black people. And the comment I made was we should have came up with that slogan first right, right. and made it Christian. And somebody interpreted that as, oh, this pastor's woke. And so now he's a joke. And it's like, look, <laughs> look, I, I'm just saying black people matter and they should matter to us. They matter to God and, and they're beautiful and, and amazing. And so um, black people face enormous issues in our culture and we should try to figure out the best ways to help uh, lift them out of some things that have been created by racism in this country. Not everything, but many things have been created by racism. So, um, wow, that was a long circle. So here's what I would say. I would say that the question to ask the principal is, 
he said, we support our students from mm-hmm. our LGBTQ community. So I would ask, great, how are you supporting conservative Christians right. in your school mm-hmm. when this directly violates their religious teaching? And then I would ask this question, is this the violation of the separation of church and state? Because this feels like you're picking one religion over another. Mm-hmm. And what we need to lovingly do is state that the LGBTQ agenda is a religious agenda. Absolutely. It should not be considered not religious. It, it has a set of beliefs. It yeah. has a set of values. It has a, a set of sexual and moral conduct that violate the things that we believe. So here's what we can support as Christians. We don't want anyone to be picked on. We don't want anyone to be made fun of. We don't want anyone to be treated unfairly because they're gay, because they're uh, bi, or because they're trans, or they're questioning. But what we don't want is we don't want this philosophy, this ideology, this religion to be shoved down our children's throats. And we need to understand that, look, the public school system is a diverse place mm-hmm. where there are diverse ideas. It's not just diverse in terms of sexuality and in terms of, of ethnicity. It's diverse in terms of religious and moral ideals. Mm-hmm. And what the schools really need to champion um, is this idea of be kind one to another, yeah. to adopt the golden rule. Kids are cruel, and kids make fun of people because they're black, because they're white, because mm-hmm. they wear glasses, mm-hmm. because you're skinny, because you're fat, because mm-hmm. you're gay, because you're trans. What's the common threat? Kids are mean to each other. Yeah. And that's what we need to fight, and that's what we need to stop. And so so I would just say, um, I, I wouldn't give in. I wouldn't give up. I would press in. Um, I would contact the ACLU. So the ACLU is the American Civil Liberties Union, and their job is to fight for the rights of minorities. And here's what's changed in our country. Christian values, we've become the minority. We were the majority, now we're the minority. This is a violation of rights. And what I would say is, you know, would the school district be okay with children being baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit without the understanding and permission of the parents? I don't think they would. And rightfully so, even though... I believe right. that you should be baptized. Mm-hmm. I believe in one God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in judgment. I don't get to, behind parents' backs, convert children mm-hmm. to my ideology and my philosophy. And so what we need to push for is fairness and equity, mm-hmm. right? There's a, there's a buzzword. Yeah. Is, this, is this equity? You're, you're yeah. lifting up one group um, you know, above another. And, and here's the problem is you know, minority groups have been held down and that's been wrong, but we don't write that by pushing other groups down to lift them up. What we and, have to do is say, look, we're diverse. Go and, ahead. And the LGBTQ movement, you know, a big part of that is to paint them on the same um, level, for lack of a better word, as minority groups. Yeah. So many times when you mm-hmm. see these things yeah. advertised, you always will see the black person that's mm-hmm. LGBTQ because they're trying to always align these two groups. Uh, um, populations together and then just celine so you know and and any other parents this has been going on for a really long time this is not new i mean in our district um in san Bernardino, they do a celebration every year typically in may because june is pride month and the kids are out yeah so they do it in may but it is on the school calendar i Mm -hmm. will give them that it is all over the website so i will give san Bernardino that but this has been happening for a really long time and a a lot of what's going on in California is anti-parent. Yeah. And most of what schools are allowed to do in California behind the back of a parent is quite astounding. And I would encourage parents to really um, look into those things because kids yeah. can get 
taken off campus to go get gender affirming yes. anything without the permission of the parents. Yeah. And so here's what I would say is, Celine, you know, Christian school is a great option, but there are now public school options where your child right. can uh, go to school online and still participate yes. in sports. And so, you know, you don't have to put up with this. Now, it is an issue when our kids are younger because they can't, you know, self-monitor. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot of parents... Um, in our church who are using the online option because then you're more interactive Mm -hmm. and, and the school doesn't have the opportunity to, you know, kind of do the things that they do. And, you know, I experienced this when I was in um, high school, I was in uh, civics class and the discussion was on religion and I'll never forget the teacher stood up and, and, and put down what my dad did for a living Mm -hmm. and said, that's why I never go to church. My dad had bought a new car. And somehow that became the topic of the class. Oh my goodness. And it, I was mortified yeah. and embarrassed by a public school teacher. I mean, can you guys imagine that? I was singled out, called to yeah. stand. My dad's new car was an example of hmm. uh, of why this teacher, Mr. Gutekunz, he's dead, died of a brain tumor. So I actually loved a lot of things about Mr. Gutekunz. That was really his name. I can't with the name. I know. Uh, he, was our, he, was our, he was our basketball coach. So he had a wow. lot of influence and power at our school. And actually my brother ended up on the team hmm. And so, so nice guy, but what he did was horrific. And, and again, that's just an example of how mm-hmm. we still single out groups, mm-hmm. make fun of and mm-hmm. put down. And that was in front of the entire class. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that kind of stuff shouldn't happen. Um, so, so what I would encourage you to do is do that. And then if you know, you need to, it's okay to litigate. I'm not a big person in favor of suing, but mm-hmm. sometimes, and that's how the LGBTQ has gotten as powerful mm-hmm. as they are, is because they litigate, 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 litigate. And what we have to do is we can't hate our enemy. And I'm not saying gay people or trans people are our enemy, but this movement is, they come after us, they, yeah. they don't like us. And, and just so you know, there's a lot of gay people, trans people that are not in agreement with this. Caitlyn Jenner mm-hmm. uh, is not in agreement right. with this. And so don't hate on me because I used the name that she chooses to go by. You know, when I was a kid, he was Bruce Jenner. That's now right. he's Caitlyn Jenner. But even Caitlyn Jenner is saying yeah, this is wrong. With, right. With yeah. an organization to protect children. Yes. There's lots of gays against groomers. Yeah. I follow yeah. them on Instagram. Um, but I even saw this week that there was a uh, during Pride Week because this is happening yeah. uh, this month and next month over the next few weeks over these campuses um, where one of the spirit days was to dress drag. And yeah. I'm like, OK, that's a little yeah. Not a little. That's a lot. Too yeah, far. Yeah. Um, and if parents, especially if parents do not know that this is going on, that's something that you need. You got to be informed. You got to. I would question how come this is not being told. Everything else is being told to me. How come this is not being told to me? Yeah. And so it is this it is the school district's responsibility to communicate yeah. what is happening to the parent on campus. And that's a violation. And so um, that's that's where I think you have the, yeah. the biggest thing is, is this should go out. Um, you know, they're, they're not allowed to, to do this. And so, you know, again, they should be teaching reading, writing, uh, and arithmetic, and they're not doing well on those subjects, <laughs> you know? And, and so that's the other thing I would say to everyone in education. Look, if you were hitting it out of the park and you were like, you know what, our, our students are just doing so well, we just don't know what to teach anymore. It, but that's not the case. Kids can't write, kids can't read, kids are, are unable to think, and they keep adding on this woke agenda when really your responsibility is to teach the child how to think for themselves mm-hmm. and function as an adult. And we're not doing a good mm-hmm. job with that. And, um, 
you know, I would much rather the school be spending a month on being kind to one another, dealing with violence, right. the destructive behavior, drug addiction, depression. Right. You know, I was in the gym yesterday and I looked over at this teenage girl next to me and she had all these cut marks all down her mm-hmm. thigh. And I just started praying. I'm like, Lord, cause I know she's doing that mm-hmm. to herself. Mm-hmm. Well, let's focus on that. Instead of promoting an ideology and a sexuality, let's help girls care for themselves, love themselves, stop being destructive to themselves. Let's do something that's positive. And this is this is just, you know, whatever. And again, if you're gay, you're trans, and you're adult, that's your choice. You don't get to try to convert right. children. That's not that's not your choice. The parent has the right to say, hey, here, here are the things you know, that, that we want to control what our children believe. It's not, it's not the world's job to educate and parent our children. So talk to your kids about this. You, you, you need to know your kids are going to have a friend that's gay, that's trans, that's bi, that's non-binary. This is going to happen. And you need to teach them how to lovingly love the person, but disagree. And so I was listening to, um, one of my favorite pastors and I mean, I've followed this guy for years and I'm really going to miss him because he's, he's getting up there. I think he's in his late seventies, but he said that, you know, the LGBTQ movement calls us to either totally affirm them or, or we hate them. And he says, as a Christian, we can do neither. Mm-hmm. We cannot hate our, our enemy. We cannot hate those who disagree with us. The Bible commands that we are to love people, even people that we disagree with, but we cannot affirm. Right. We cannot affirm your lifestyle. We cannot affirm your choices. And and here's the thing is, we cannot alter or mute the Jesus of the scriptures because we need the real Jesus to save us. And so I, I know that's difficult and that's hard in our culture to express that God would have segu- sexual regulations, but he does. And yeah. they're all throughout scripture. And we are not called to follow our desires. And that's why I said in the message last week, you know, the guy who said, why can't women just do whatever they want mm-hmm. in the church? Whether you're a man or a woman, black, white, gay, straight, trans, bi, non-binary, if you are doing whatever you want, you are not following Jesus. That's right. So so when when you confess Christ, you're confessing him as Lord, master. Yeah. You know, it's not just savior. It's not, he's not your buddy. He's your boss. He's your God. Um, and we must submit to him on what he teaches. And here's the thing, the teachings of Jesus on sex were more restrictive mm-hmm. than the teachings of Moses. Yeah. More so. Right. And, and nobody wants to admit that. Higher so. standard. Yes. Under Jesus. That's right. Amen. So. Thanks, Celine, for your question. We really appreciate that. All right. We have Josie from P- Pinion Hills. Um, yes. Hey, Josie. Hey, Josie. Mm-hmm. We're uh, switching gears here a little bit. Hi, Pastor Matt. I had a question on this weekend sermon. Why weren't there any women writing scriptures in the Bible? Yeah, there are. And so... Um, that's one of the things that, uh, and I don't want to steal my thunder uh, for this <laughs> week's message, uh, the poem of Deborah, mm-hmm. the poem of Mary, uh, the poem of, um, I'm trying to think in the Old Testament, uh, Zipporah. I mean, there, there's all these poems and these sayings, and it's written by women. Yeah. And uh, I quoted to you Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 31. 31. This is the teachings yeah. of King Lemuel's mother. Right. These these were Those are her words. Mm-hmm. So... Um, most scribes, you know, Josie were men that, that, so we're going back in time and, and it's really hard for us because we have 2000 years of Christian history that have liberated us. Mm-hmm. But in the ancient world, most women were considered property, dumb, overly emotional, and a second class citizen, not everywhere, 
Jesus, as you're going to see in this next week's message, lifts them up, mm-hmm. affirms them, allows them, and ultimately sends them. And I'm going to teach some things this next week that are, are going to blow your mind. I'm excited. They're going to blow your mind. <laughs> like, have you, have you, do you know who Phoebe is? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Most women have never heard of her. And it's because we've changed how the book of Romans is introduced. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to announce that right now, but the book of Romans used to have her name in the title. Because she was such a central part Mm -hmm. to the most important book theologically in the Christian New Testament. Mm -hmm. And she played a huge part and a huge role in that. Um, But there there are so many women, Josie, that, you know, we we don't talk about, we don't mention, and they're right there. The Bible doesn't hide them. They're not shoved under the rug. Their names are mentioned. Um, They are called things like co-workers, co-laborers, the Apostle Paul... <clears throat> constantly singles them out, calls yeah. them out, thanks them. Right. Um, it's incredible. And so um, I, I just think we don't do a good job at communicating that. And, um, you know, there's one woman that most people have never heard of, Hulda. And uh, we're going to talk about her. Uh, we're going to talk about Deborah. And people, you know, oftentimes they don't realize the significant role that these women played in the leadership of Israel and the leadership of the church. And so, so for everyone, you know, if you're wondering where are we going to land, here's where we're going to land. You know, there's two, there's two schools of thought. One is egalitarian. So men and women are absolutely equal in all things. And there's no gender distinction whatsoever anymore. And then there's a thing called complementarian where men and women are, are equal in value, but have different roles. Um, You know, egalitarian is more liberal. Complementarian is more, uh, conservative. I'm going to land in what I'm calling a soft complementarian position. And so just so you know, here's where we're going. The normative rule in the New Testament <clears throat> is men lead, men are spiritual leaders, men carry the brunt load of the direction of the church and the leadership of the church. However, mm-hmm. There are women that lead everywhere. Yeah. There are women that speak everywhere. There are women that hold all kinds of roles and do all kinds of things. And why is that? Because the Holy Spirit gifts whom he chooses yeah, I loved to that in gift. The yeah. And many of has, us have missed that. And in our Western thought, it's either black or white. Right. In Jewish thought, it's both. Mm-hmm. And. And so men, step up, be a man, take responsibility, you know, take authority. But we, we when we say authority... How did Jesus lead? As a servant. Yeah. As a servant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's mind-blowing. So so here's the discussion we're having in the West. Who's in authority? Who's mm-hmm. in power? Mm-hmm. That's not what the Bible's interested in. The Bible is interested in who serves. Yeah. That's the greatest. Who serves? Yeah. Who's, <laughs> what attitude do you have in Christ? Mm-hmm. And so the scripture speaks of attitudes and service in the West and in modern day, we speak of position and power. And it's just a completely different conversation yeah. because leaders died first, went first, served first, were beaten first, were imprisoned first. And it's just a completely different genre where now leaders get the most money, leaders have the most power, leaders have the most prestige. And, um, you know, most people wouldn't been like, I don't think I want to be a leader back right. then. And that's why Paul says, whoever seeks to be an elder seeks a noble thing. Because is it noble? Right. <laughs> I mean, like we're all getting beaten and killed and hunted and fed to lions and imprisoned. You know, it's it's a difficult thing. Whereas now leaders, you know, we get the best seats, right. we get to speak, you know, and so it's it's just a completely different genre. So good. Josie, they are there. They're all throughout scripture. And ultimately, we don't know the names of 
the vast majority of scribes. Right. There, there could have been women all throughout that. We just know of women like Deborah, women like Hulda, women like the mother of King Lemuel, um, Lemuel. So, um, you know, w- we get glimpses of it. But in the ancient world, thousands of years ago, men were mostly educated. Men were mostly in power. It was a, it was a fixed patriarchal system. And yet <laughs> there are these highlights of women doing things and the Bible never says, and they shouldn't have done that. Yeah. It just, it just says that they did. Mm -hmm. Um, and by the way, in the book of Proverbs, I think pastor Alfredo is going to preach on Deborah. She's the only judge that is mentioned positively in the entire thing. Like, and the people of Israel had peace for 40 years after her leadership. So, um, you know, it's incredible. And and she's, she's a married woman. That's what makes it even more bizarre. (laughs) Her husband is not the leader. Right. Barack is not the leader. No, and I he's don't mean asking no, her to yeah, go Yeah, I don't mean Obama, power. not Barack Obama. <laughs> Barack. Barack, the general of, That's right. of the Jews. He's um, not the leader. No, he's not. The, and he says, I'm not fighting without you. Yeah. She says, well, then God's going to give the victory to a woman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when you read the poem... That's what the Hebrew, that's what the Bible says, that God gave it to her. Yeah. <laughs> she right. was responsible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't put down Barack and she didn't, no. she empowered him. Okay, now it's time for you to go. Right. Yeah. Like it, it, it was not this, well, I'm, you know, Deborah's better than Barack and he just said, I'm not, I'm not doing this without you. And so she empowered him mm-hmm. and then she empowered JL to do what she needed to do yeah, as yeah. well. So it was powerful. This is exciting. I hope you guys are inviting people to watch this sermon. I know I've been texting and sharing and all the things. So, all right. Zach from Riverside says in the sermon, you say that God is not a man or woman. If Jesus is God, doesn't that mean that God is a man? Yeah. So, um, Zach, so this is like next level theology. So John (laughs) one, one says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And here's what's important. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus became a man, but that's not who he has been right. in all eternity. So for all eternity, he is a part of the Trinitarian Godhead, the Elohim of Genesis 1. Elohim is God's name in plural. So the very first text says, and can be translated in the beginning, the gods, plural, created the heavens and the earth. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it say there are gods, plural, but God's name yeah. is singular, plural, which in English, I don't know how we, ones, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hero Israel, the Lord your God is ones. Yeah. It's a it's a very, very difficult thing in English for us to make something singular and plural at the same time. And yet mm-hmm. that is who God is. So uh God is spirit. This is yeah. what God reveals uh to the woman at the well in John four. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Um so Zach, God reveals that to a woman who is chasing men. Yeah. And thinks she can find satisfaction in men. And, and Jesus, as a man, is saying, God is not a man. Yeah. So uh, Numbers, oh, let me, I think I got it here. Sorry, guys. I think it's, yeah, Numbers twenty two nineteen. 19, um, God is not a man, mm-hmm. uh, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? He has never promised and not carried it through. So that's in the Torah. I mean, that's in the first five books of the Bible. And so God is not a man. We do not worship um, a human being. Mm -hmm. So God created human beings. Yeah, (laughs) God created human beings to reflect his image, but we do not reflect all that God is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, um, you know, John also says no one ever has seen God but the Son. Jesus is the only one to ever see the fullness of who God is. So... I know this is confusing, Zach. It's a very difficult thing um, to understand because, again, 
in our Western thinking, well, if Jesus is a man, then God is a man. And that's just not what the text says. It says that he became flesh mm-hmm. and dwelt among us. Yeah. He became a human being. That is not who he was for all right. eternity. Philippians says that he emptied himself. Yeah, he took off his... Yeah, he took off his royal nature. Mm-hmm. And so it would be like a human being becoming an ant right. to save the ants. Mm-hmm. Jesus degraded himself in order to save something that was precious to him. Mm-hmm. And so what's the best way to communicate to ants to become an ant and speak yeah. to them? And so the ants crucify the ant, they came to save him. That's what we did, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. Right. And that's, that's really, really difficult for us to understand, but that's what the text says. Does he says. mean male though? I'm, I mean, it, did you mean, is God a m- male? I mean, because there's things in scripture that are masculine and mm-hmm. feminine. He's yeah. uh, definitely not a man. No. But we do refer to him as father. Father, yeah. And so, um, and so, why is that? Again, because God has set up the household yeah. within the culture to mm-hmm. be led by the man. Um, that is a struggle when the woman is clearly more gifted. I've yeah. seen that constantly, mm-hmm. and um, you know, guys always joke, um, "Married up, married up." Well, some women married down. So sorry, <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> that's on you. And so, you know, that that becomes awesome. extraordinarily difficult when the woman is clearly more gifted. And and it's more challenging nowadays. In the ancient world, there's a very, very small chance that a woman was educated, that a right. woman was was formally trained. And I'm not saying she wasn't smart. Um, I'm just saying she didn't have an opportunity to exercise those gifts in the ancient world. Nowadays, women are excelling in everything mm-hmm. where, where men are struggling. We're, we're really, we're losing our boys. And so the exact opposite is true mm-hmm. where we can't get men to lead. We can't get men to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge, huge challenge. It, it's the reverse is true. So, so we, we, when we pray, we pray to the father who His is father. in heaven mm-hmm. and, and that's important to us. And so God has revealed himself to us as a father to give us a picture of his strength. Mm-hmm. And that's not that mamas aren't strong. You're, I'm right. looking at you. You're strong. It's just that, you know, Devon, your husband represents something right. to your children that's right. that that they need to know about God. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and so God does love us as a father and he does love us as a mother. You know, the, the text says that he wants to wrap his wings around us like a hen does her chicks. Yeah. And so, so God, you know, can love us in a motherly way. He's given us the church who is our mother to love us and care for us. And, and it doesn't mean that, you know, that the church actually literally is our mother. It is a symbolic feature. The church is, you know, the yeah. bride of Christ that cares for us and loves us and, and helps us. And so, and these things are spirit. Like yeah. you can't just go, he's a man, he's male, he's yeah. father. Like you, <laughs> I mean, again, I think what I've learned so much from you is that our English translation yeah. of some of these things doesn't even put into a good picture no, yeah. of what God truly and who yeah. he truly is. It is wrong though, to refer to God as, as woman. a woman yeah. and it is wrong to refer to God as a mother. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because you're contradicting what Jesus said. And so yeah. here's where it is for us as Christians. Everything we know about God is reflected through Jesus and taught through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so if you are challenging what Jesus thought and what Jesus did. And so, and so here's what, you know, people do. They say, well, Jesus was stuck within his own culture. no, he, he was not. Jesus knows all cultures for all That's times. Right. He is God. Yeah, he transcends. And so, you know, he knew. Mm-hmm. And and so he wants us to refer to God as Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yeah. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so it is submitting to something that is stronger than us, that is more powerful than mm-hmm. us, and is more manly than us. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's strength in men that is, re- that is uniquely reflected. And so we need to understand that. And it's not that, you know, there aren't Joan of Arcs and Deborah's, you know, that are powerful women leaders. It's just, 
generally speaking, men are stronger. And we, we need to know that because one of the things we need to know is not just that God is love, it's that he's strong. Yeah. And that he, he is powerful enough to save us. And so, um, that's a, that's a huge question. That was great. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, Zach. Okay. Moving right along. Yes. This is John from Long Beach. Yeah. And he says, I recently began to look into why we celebrate certain holidays. I learned that most Christian or secular holidays like Christmas and Easter actually have pagan roots. Even the name Easter comes from Eostre. I think. hope I'm saying that yeah. right. The pagan name for the spring equinox. Certain traditions like the evergreens, Yule logs, Easter bunny, Dianes, etc. are all pagan traditions. How do we know what is considered sinful, wrong to celebrate or do? Should I not be teaching my kids about Santa and the Easter bunny? Yeah. So, John, uh, thank you. Grateful. And if you're a parent here and you have kids present uh feel free to pause and listen to this at another time because i don't want to ruin your family tradition so here's what john says i learned that most christian secular holidays like christmas and easter actually have pagan roots john that is categorically false it is untrue Hmm. unfortunately no matter how much i say this i'm going to beat my drum until i i I can't do it anymore just because somebody posts this on the internet does not make it true Christian holidays absolutely do not have pagan roots. And so where do we get Christmas and Easter? So really, um, yes, Christmas is around, um, you know, the winter equinox, which is December 21st. 21st. That's my birthday. Yeah. So that is not how they arrived at that date. So what they did is they they argued. So and a lot of people, we talked about this in a couple episodes ago. What was the Council of Nicaea all about? The Council of Nicaea decided when when is Passover. That was mm-hmm. one of the things that they they argued about. And so... What they did is they went from Passover and then they, you know, literally kind of go back nine months because Jesus is the perfect son of God. So his gestation would have been nine months and they arrived at December 25th would have been his birth. They made it up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, they, <clears throat> excuse me, they, they didn't know. They, they just made it up, but they didn't pick it because it was near the winter equinox. They picked it mm. because they arrived at that date based upon Easter. Mm-hmm. And we know this to be true. So anybody who says, well, you know, the Druids, and yeah, yeah. So people had holidays, you know, all over and all the time. So the name Easter comes from, uh, he says, uh, Estre. Uh, okay, that's that's another thing that's false. We only know of the God of Estre because of one monk in, I think, 1215, who makes a note about the holiday, and it is a minor pagan cult, and it, it just sounds the same. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't... That doesn't work. I mean, that's where it came. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay. It sounds similar, but that's not where it comes from. And so, um, you know, the, the name Easter, you know, has English is just a weird language that is both Gaelic, it is German, it is French. You know, it, it just, it's such a bizarre language. So to say that it comes from this small cult that we only know about because one monk wrote a note about it, it's a cult of insignificance that would have been lost to the world. And he doesn't say, and this is where Easter comes from. Mm-hmm. He just simply recognizes her, the God of Easter. Um, and so, you know, yes, it's near spring equinox and most of the ancient world organized their calendars around the spring equinox, the fall equinox, the summer you know, solstice in the winter solstice. That's just the way it worked. And I hate to tell you guys this, but, you know, the reason that the Christians probably use the symbol of the fish is because of the, um, oh my gosh, huh? The Zodiac. And Christians are going to flip out. But when they're saying that Jesus is the God of this age, what they're saying is Caesar rules right now, but Jesus, right? the, The thousand year millennial reign, Jesus is reigning in the year and and the symbol of that zodiac time calendar was the fish. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Okay. I know people are losing their minds right now. <laughs> <clears throat> so here's the thing. The thing is about uh, Easter eggs. People say, well, it has nothing to do with Easter. You're absolutely right. It has everything to do with Lent. It's just people, you know, it's the thing that drives me crazy. Just because you don't know yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean it's the devil. So why, why on earth would eggs have something to do with Easter? Because of Lent. So for Lent, you would say, I'm not going to eat eggs mm -hmm. for 40 days. And so eggs, think about before refrigeration, are one of the rare foods that can last 40 days. Mm -hmm. So I think an egg in the fridge can last like six weeks. So you just hide the egg in a dark place, oh. right? And then they would paint them red for the blood of Christ, green for the hope of the resurrection. And then where did we put the egg 40 days ago? We got to go find the eggs. That's where the egg hunt comes from. And people just, just because you don't know, that doesn't mean that what I'm saying isn't true. That's where it comes from. The bunny is weirder. Um, <laughs> there's a brown, there's a brown bunny in Europe that could be impregnated twice they thought. Hmm. And so they thought it was a, a symbol of the miraculous birth of Jesus. And so that's where the bunny comes from. And, you know, I have never heard that. And again, that you know, amazing. they didn't have science. Sure. So it was this brown hair. I think I forget. It's it's a, it's a Western European brown hair, and I think it can get pregnant twice or something weird. Or I, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not an animal doctor. That's what they thought. They thought hmm. it could be pregnant, get pregnant again. I don't know, but that's where the bunny come. It, it became a symbol of of you know his virgin birth. Vir yeah. Wow. Um, so, uh, da, 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 what about Christmas? Um, Christmas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. So the Yule log is pagan. Absolutely. Um, the Christmas tree, you know, I mean, those are non-Christian, you know, symbols that, that the church has adopted historically. And so again, here's what the Bible says. Take every thought, thought captive to Christ. Mm -hmm. That's what it says. It's okay for Christians to take pagan things and make them their own. It doesn't, it, it it's fine. All of the first church buildings, every single first church building was a pagan temple. Mm. This is how the church um, created places for worship for thousands of years, because we can do that. Christ is more powerful. So the symbol of the Greek Orthodox uh, Pope's staff is a cross cutting a serpent in two. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, stop being afraid of everything. Stop being Scooby-Doo and be <laughs> like Jesus. And we're so terrified of everything. It's okay. He who is within you is greater than yeah. he who is in the world. And and so, you know, should kids, uh, should parents be teaching about Santa Claus? That That's up to each individual parent. Uh, saint Nick was a Christian saint who right. gave gifts to children. You know, now, do you want to teach that he comes down the chimney, that he's a fat white guy or I don't know. Do you guys have black Santa? I don't really do Santa. Okay. Some I mean, he's a fun fairy tale and that's what yeah. we've always, but I just yeah. do the reindeer and all that. I've never had like Santa's. Okay. Yeah. House. So, yeah. yeah. So Tammy and I, we didn't either. I just tell the kids I'm Santa cause I am, yeah. <laughs> I don't want some fat white dude who doesn't exist getting credit for the gifts I bought. Right. Our kids were always excited. They were, yes. you know, always loved it. Um, I don't think my mom loved it cause my mom celebrated Santa, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, I remember Madison's in the room. She was three years old. And I remember telling her, you know, Santa's going to come down this chimney. And she believed me. And I had a real problem with that. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this. So every parent make your, your own choice. Right. I don't think that there's, again, there's liberty and freedom in Christ. Amen. We can make decisions. Yeah. You know, uh, I know all the homeschool moms are starting their blog right now. Look, <laughs> just relax. There are greater demons to slay come than on. this stuff. Yes. And, uh, you know, majoring in minors. <laughs> and here's the thing is, so, so we had an Easter bunny at church on Easter and some people were offended. Oh, okay. So why do we have it? 
I heard a family on the phone, grandparents, and they said, we invited our kids to church and they're not Christians and they wouldn't come. I told my grandchildren the Mm -hmm. Easter bunny was here and they're coming next service. Yeah. Put the Easter bunny in there. Mm -hmm. Whatever it takes to get people to church, to hear the gospel, you know, and and Christians are so offended and so upset. Mm -hmm. Look, we've got to do whatever we can outside of sinning. And I don't think it's a sin to have a bunny in a costume if that's what's going to bring people to church for the first time in their life. And And it's not either or again, it's like, you must, it must be, or it must not be. There's no bunnies, you know? And it's like, Hey, like we celebrate unapologetically the resurrection of Jesus. Um, the Easter buddy, he's all right. And that's yeah. cool to know about the Easter money and the eggs. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. I mean, we do an egg hunt every year in our family because the kids think it's fun. Yeah. And I think it's fun. I like putting the money in the eggs and running around and watching them yeah. try to find all the things. Um, but we wouldn't know about uh, the religion of Estra or Estre or however you say it. I don't yeah, even think we the, know how to person. say it. Except the Christian monk in 1215 wrote it down. And it's literally one sentence hmm. in his letter about culture. And that's the only thing that we know. And so then these people have run off and made up all this stuff about it. And it's like, look, we we have one sentence. Mm -hmm. That's, that's literally all we know, but people, you know, are on the internet and on TikTok, and they're going off and it's just like, Oh man, you know, Christians see the boogeyman everywhere. And it's just like, (laughs) you know, the greatest demon is the demon of self-righteousness that lives within you. Mm -hmm. That's the greatest demon. And if you want to slay something, if you want to get rid of the devil, get him out of your own heart. And he's not an Easter bunny and he's not (laughs) in an egg. He's in the spirit of self-righteousness. And that's That's the spirit that I see of this age. People who think they're so much better than everybody else and who want to judge people because kids are rolling eggs and looking for eggs, man, on judgment day, Jesus isn't even going to deal with that. Yeah. But he is going to deal with your self-righteousness and, and your desire to puff yourself up and believe that you're better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. What is Easter about? Your sins put Jesus on the cross. Man, that is a lifelong of processing, a lifelong of struggling and, and wondering, okay, what is it about me that was so sinful that Jesus had to die that die that way for me? It wasn't because we have a bunny and eggs. Mm-hmm. It was because we have a spirit that is opposed to his authority, and we believe we can be self-righteous. Yeah, We can save ourselves. We do not need God to save us, but Easter says otherwise. So. Yeah, amen. So good. Thank you. Okay, we have another one, Michaela in Los Angeles. After watching the Sermon on Baptism, two questions have been on my mind. I was baptized 11 years ago at the age of 13. I went through some hard times and made poor decisions in my late teens that would not have made my 13-year-old newly baptized Christian proud. Do you have any advice or scripture recommendations for guilt associated with the sins post-baptism, struggling, feeling unworthy of the clean slate I was given at baptism? So, do you want to stop there or want me to read the second No, let's part? stop there. So, yeah. so here's what I would say is baptism is not something that we should do multiple times. Mm-hmm. Having said that, sometimes we're baptized as children and our, our, par- our parents were well-meaning, but, you know, especially prepubescent uh, kids that are baptized, they, they have not yet been awakened sexually. They have not yet really separated themselves from their parents. And so oftentimes I will encourage people that were baptized before they went through puberty you know, before they, they had a mind that was independent of their parents, I say, okay, it's okay to do it again. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we should be baptized multiple times. The Bible says we believe in one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so, um, you know, 
having said that, sometimes, and, and I chose to be baptized twice. So I was baptized when I was eight years old. Here's what I remember about it. I was very excited. <laughs> I remember my family was there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did I believe in Jesus? Yes. Did I believe I was a sinner? Yes. Years later, I was at the Jordan River, and I just, I felt convicted, and I just asked my brother, I said, hey, will you baptize me? And he baptized me in the Jordan River, because I, I really felt like as an adult, I had never walked in obedience to what God had called me to do. <clears throat> and so that was my choice. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's dangerous to theologically say anything other than what the Holy Spirit says. So if the Holy Spirit is saying or leading you to be baptized again, I would do it. Uh, again, baptism does not save us. The Lord Jesus saves yeah. us. Baptism does not cleanse us. The Lord Jesus, the blood That's of the Lord right. Jesus cleanses us. And so <clears throat> here's why we do the Lord's Supper every week. Because some of us do feel guilt. Mm-hmm. Some of us have sinned. And so when we take of the body of the, the broken body of the Lord that's represented in the cracker, and when we drink the juice that's represented of the blood, those things, that that's what we should do. So the Lord's Supper is something that we do continually. Mm-hmm. Baptism is something that we do once. So I would just say, the next Lord's Supper, ask the Lord to forgive you. Yeah. And realize <clears throat> it's not baptism that cleanses you. It's the blood that he shed on the cross. And so again, if the Holy Spirit tells you to get baptized, always, always, always do what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, mm-hmm. as long as you know that it's not sin. Because sometimes people say, well, the Holy Spirit's telling me to do the opposite of what he told you to do in Scripture. The Holy oh, Spirit's not, not confused. Yeah. You are. <laughs> yeah. And so so I think that's a great question. So good. Um, it's something that I struggled with, and parents, many of your children— you know, we'll, we'll struggle. My mom was baptized at five years old. She's never been baptized again. She remembers it. She knew it. She understood it. You know, I was like, okay, if I don't remember hardly anything from five, mm-hmm. but she remembers that. I do remember my baptism at eight, mm-hmm. but again, I chose, I think at 32 hmm. to be rebaptized. Awesome. <clears throat> Here's the second part of her question. It says two close loved ones in my life were baptized into other religions, Mormonism and <clears throat> Catholicism as children, but have since become Christians. What are your beliefs? What does scripture tell us about if a formal baptism into Christianity is needed to be saved and enter God's kingdom? Right. So the church is divided on this. So there are some uh, veins of Christianity that teach that it's what's called regenerational baptism. So in other words, you are saved because you were baptized. And, And the proof text for that comes to us at the end of the gospel of Mark, the problem with that is it's probably not authentic to the text. Um, the Gospel of Mark was damaged in some way um, to where the ending was destroyed mm. or lost. And so scribes tried to summarize the book of Acts and create an alternative ending for the book of Mark. And then, you know, the church for thousands of years didn't know that because they don't have as many manuscripts. We keep finding manuscripts mm-hmm. more and more and more and more. And so now in many of your Bibles, it will give you multiple alternative endings mm-hmm. for the book of Mark. And we, we, we just don't know. The original text ends with, and the women ran and were afraid. <laughs> it's a rough ending. Um, so what do we teach at Sandals? <clears throat> we do not teach in regenerational baptism. We do not believe that baptism is what saves you. We, we teach that faith in Christ saves you. Mm-hmm. That's what saves you. Believing that Jesus died for you on the cross, believing that he died for your sins, um, trusting him as Lord of your life, repenting and turning from it. It is that act of faith. Um, the apostle Paul constantly contrasts faith and works. 
And so works are things we do. Faith is something that we believe. And baptism, I believe, is a work. It's something that we do. I think it's important. I think you should do it. Um, I, we're commanded to do it. Mm-hmm. Jesus did it. Baptism is super, 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 super important. It is mystical. It's an interaction between our physical reality and a spiritual truth. Um, but it's not what saves us. So here's where I would say with Mormonism, should you be baptized again? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mormonism, in my opinion, is not Christian. Now, I know Mormons would disagree with that. They feel that they are a sect of Christianity. Uh, that is something Mormons believe. Most Christians reject that. Right. So they have their own prophets. They have their own temples. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have their own books separate from uh, what Christians have. So we have the New Testament. Mormons have you know, other, other books that guide them and teach them. They have other prophets that no one recognizes. And so I would say, and I ultimately, I believe that Mormons believe in a different Jesus, um, than we believe in. And so I think it's important to, if you were baptized Mormon to be baptized as a Christian in at Sandals or whatever church. So for Catholicism, Catholics baptize children and then they confirm that baptism at 12 years old. I think Catholics got it backwards. Um, That's my humble opinion. I love my Catholic brothers and sisters. I would say that Catholicism is Christian. They are within Mm -hmm. the Christian church. Mormonism is without. So do I have disagreements with my Catholic brothers and sisters? Yes, but they are my brothers and sisters. Mormonism, they're my good friends. They're my neighbors. They're good people. I do not consider them brothers and sisters in Christ. Because again, they have different prophets, they have Mm -hmm. different texts, uh, they have different understandings. So here's what we teach at Sandals. We teach in what's called believer's baptism. So you believe and are baptized. A child cannot believe. Mm -hmm. That's why we dedicate our children to the Lord. We bring our children up on stage and we dedicate them. We say, God, we're going to raise them up in the way that they should go. But ultimately, our children have to decide. Yeah. You know, I hope my kids are in heaven. I do. I've worked so hard to teach them, to try to be a good example, uh, to try to enforce that God is important. But ultimately, it's my kids' choice. Mm-hmm. They must choose God. I mm-hmm. cannot choose God for them. And so that's why at Sandals, we baptize um, adults and children that we say are who are of age. Can they express faith? Do they have an understanding of sin? Do they know what baptism mm-hmm. represents. And if they can't articulate that, and we offend parents, yeah, because if the parent says, my kid wants to be baptized, and they can't articulate those things, we say no. We've had parents get very upset with us because they want their child to be baptized. Yeah. And that's great, but your child yes. has to want to be baptized um, because we don't, we want to honor parents, but we want to honor the soul of the child. Mm-hmm. And that soul of the child, you know, um, is, is what God is trying to save. And so like when I baptize my children, um, I said these words, you know, I, I baptize you, like I say, I was baptizing Madison. Um, I baptize you, Madison, my daughter, you were buried with Christ and raised to walk a new life. And you are now my sister in Christ. And so what it's recognizing is that, that, that she's not just my daughter, she's God's daughter and I'm God's son. And, and now we're siblings Mm -hmm. forever. And that's a powerful and significant change. And it's very, very emotional for me when, when I think about that. But um, so it says, uh, but since we have become Christians, what are your beliefs? What does scripture yeah. teach about formal baptism? So th- I, I, I guess it's I covered all that. To me. You did. Yeah. She was. And I think that part about needing to be saved and enter God's kingdom, I think that could be thinking that comes from 
different religions or different denominations or whatever, but that's not what Sandals believes. We believe you no. do not, you are not, bap- you're not saved because you were baptized. Yes, but there you are, be- yeah, there are some denominations. There are that some do denominations that. that do believe that you must be baptized to In be order saved. To, yeah, to yeah. be saved. All right. And, awesome. uh, and I think lovingly, um, I disagree. Yeah. And I think, I think that we are correct. And, and ultimately, let me say this to our whole church. We're not saved because we get all things right. Yeah. We're saved because we get Jesus because right. Because we believe. That's right. Yeah. And so, so you know, in heaven, there's going to be a lot of different denominations that mm-hmm. are surprised to see one another there. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, thank God we are not saved because we, we believed everything right, because we did everything right. right. We are saved because Jesus Amen. was right. Amen. And, and ultimately, um, you know, like I always think about the thief that died on the cross and Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, imagine when he gets to heaven, what religion were you? I don't know. Yeah. Who do you believe in? Some dude that was dying next to me. Right, exactly. Like, could he articulate salvation? Could he no. quote the scriptures? And did nothing. Did he say a sinner <laughs> prayer? Right. Yeah. No. no, he just he believed. Just said, he just said, yeah. I believed in this guy, and he said I could come here. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And ultimately, why do we get in heaven? Because Jesus said we could come. Amen. And and ultimately, I mean, th- that's our answer. That's our answer. It's the answer for the Muslim. It's the answer for the Christian. It's the answer for the atheist. And And people don't. People don't think about this because people think, well, everybody goes to heaven. Well, what is heaven? It's God's home. Yeah. I want you to imagine somebody knocking on your door and just demanding to live with you forever. No. Who gets to live with you in your home? My family. Yep. That's right. Who is God's family? Yeah. All oh. those who yeah. believed in his son. Amen. So what, gets, what gives you the right to live in God's home? Yeah. You are a child, of God. a child of God. How do you become a child of God? And this is what the Gospel of John says. Whoever believed in his name, he gave them the right yeah, to, to become the, the children of God. That's right. And so so again, we, we need to understand this. And so many people have such a hard time with God. Can you imagine somebody just demanding? And, <laughs> well, and, and I think people only, think that's the way but it's going to go down. That, but they want to have sex. They want to have sex. Right. They want to drink. They want to yeah. do drugs. They want to do whatever they want. And you wouldn't allow that. Why would God allow that? That's right. And yeah. so we just live we, apart from God their yeah. whole life and then want to be with him for the rest of eternity. Yeah. Is, it doesn't work. Yeah. Like and that. so, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't love this idea of, and we can talk about, you know, the, the picture of hell and this, this torture and this awful place yeah. forever. Cause so much of that's Greek thought. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what hell is. According to Jesus, it's a place you do not want to go. It is a place of suffering and it is a place of exile. Yeah. Separation. So when Adam and Eve sin in the garden, are they tortured forever? No, they are exiled, Separated. Mm. exiled. Mm-hmm. And so what is hell? It is exile Yeah. away from God forever. Um, now is there punishment and, and will there be retribution for, you know, and I believe just as heaven is different, I believe hell will be very different for Hitler. Yeah. than it is for more, most people because Hitler must face the consequences of six million deaths. Right. Six million deaths. And, and, and think about this. Not only those deaths, but the lives he prevented from ever being yeah. born. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Because God knows those children. Mm-hmm. God knows those families, mm-hmm. that, that lineage. Right. Um, you know, the, the six million deaths, what, what do they say would be 35 million yeah. people today? Right. And so... So, you know, Hitler's uh, experience in hell will be very, mm. in, eg- in exile, let's use the term exile, will be very different than, um, say, just a person who just rejected Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's, it's it, we just need to look at that. So separation, you're right. I like the word exile. I like the word exile. Yeah, because actually. you are driven out from mm-hmm. the community mm-hmm. of God. 
And um, can you even imagine? I mean, I remember you telling a story for a minute. It was in a sermon a while ago about some medication somebody had you take and you yeah. can feel the presence of God. Yeah. And I think I don't even think we we can't imagine yeah. separation from God mm -hmm. in that way or the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that freaks me out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to live with that thought in all of eternity that yeah. you are, you will never. Yeah, it was, it was Valium when I had yeah. my my cancer surgery. They, yeah. they gave me Valium to sleep and I took it five days and I couldn't feel anything. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and that's why, you know, pharmakia, the word for witchcraft yeah. in the Greek language is where we get our English mm -hmm. word pharmacy. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be very, very careful that, you know, God has made us a receptor for him mm -hmm. and relationship for him. Amen. And some things can block that. That's and right. so it's why Paul says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit of God because wine numbs you. Yeah. And when you are numb, it makes it harder to interact with a relational God. I'm thinking about that's going to be the name of my next book. Relational God. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No. I'm all from Akia? No. no, no not from Akia. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah, awesome. This is so good. And on that note, if you do not know Jesus, give your heart to him. Mm -hmm. He loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And we would welcome you here. Yeah, amen. Always, always at Sandals. Well, thank you for watching. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks thank for answering. You. This is great. Yep. Thank you for watching the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. If you would like to submit a question to the show, you can do so on the Sandals Church app or at move.sc forward slash ask. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, consider liking, subscribing, and sharing it with a friend. If you would like to submit a question to Pastor Matt, you can do so at move.sc slash ask. And if you would like to support the work we are doing, consider donating at donate.sc. Thank you again and have a blessed day.